Welcome to Restaurant Influencers presented by Entrepreneur Media and Yelp. My name is Sean Walchef, founder of Cali Barbecue Media. Special thanks to Toast, our primary technology partner at Cali Barbecue for helping us with our digital hospitality. If you have any questions of how they can help your restaurant, please feel free to reach out to me and I will get you in touch with the right people in life in the restaurant business and in the content business, we learn through lessons and stories. Today, I am very excited because I have the foremost expert on smartphones. And uh, I'm super excited because I have Noah Glass. Noah Glass is the CEO and founder of Olo. Uh, you can find him at NH Glass on Twitter. You can find Olo at O-L-O. Noah, welcome to the show. Sean, thank you so much for having me here. So I have a, I, we start with one of our favorite uh, random questions and our favorite random question is where in the world is your favorite stadium, stage or venue? Okay, well, I am a diehard Oakland Athletics fan. And so my favorite stadium is the uh, Athletics Coliseum in Oakland, California. I grew up in Boston as a Red Sox fan. My sister is married to the GM of the Oakland Athletics. And when they got married, my mom had to sit us all down and say, no more Red Sox. We're now A's fans. Of course, that was 2004. Wow. If you are a Red Sox fan, you may remember it was the first year in 82, I believe, that the Red Sox won the World Series. I was not able to celebrate that victory because I was, of course, an Oakland A's fan at that point. But I have been a diehard for these past 18 years. That is impressive. So uh, we're going to pretend that Olo is going to sponsor the, the best hospitality conference in the world, and we're going to rent out Oakland A's Coliseum before they tear it down. So this will be a historic event for Olo. Um, we're going to put you right on the pitcher's mound and let you introduce who's Noah Glass, who's Olo, your, your two-minute elevator pitch. Um, can you do it? I can do it. Um, I will start with, uh, with Olo. So Olo is... Uh, a leading SaaS platform for enterprise restaurants. We're now working with over 600 brands that represent 82,000 individual restaurant locations at the core, allowing consumers to order and pay from the brand's own direct website and app and get their food faster for takeout, for delivery. And now we're starting to do more on-premise and through drive-through as well. Um, I founded the company, actually tomorrow will be 17 years from when I founded the company Incredible. on June 1st of 2005. And I think you know part of this, Sean, but I was, uh, when I first moved to New York City, walking around with a smartphone by a different name, a personal digital assistant, a Palm Pilot, and dreaming about what this thing could do and how it could impact this industry that I loved. I'd spent time in high school working as a pizza delivery driver, working as a cashier, later in college working as a bartender and thinking about how could a device like this make for a better consumer experience and how could it also make things better on the restaurant operation side of things. And the result of that thinking was what became Olo years later. And I'm very proud of what we've done over that time period of uh, being a company over 17 years now and the scale to which we've grown. So for for us, we we try to teach smartphone storytelling for all the restaurants that listen to the show, even the people that are in marketing and the hospitality business. We've never had the ability to become our own media company, um, literally with all those apps in our pocket. And I've been you know doing my due diligence and listening to your interviews, and you've put it so succinctly that Ola was 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 founded because of content, communication, and commerce. 
the convergence of those three things in the smartphone. Can you bring us back to the conception of that and why that is so important? Yeah, when I first moved to New York City, it was August of 2003, and I was living on Wall Street, which is a weird place to live, and then was a very weird place to live. It was two years post 9-11. There was a lot of incentive to get people to move downtown. It was a place where a lot of people worked. And so in the mornings, there was this crush of humanity trying to get coffee at the same time at the coffee shop in my building. I was one of those people. And I thought to myself, there has to be a better way than everybody arriving at the same time and trying to get their coffee. Of course, that's an extreme example of peak demand, but it exists in every mealtime. Everybody wants lunch at the same time. They want dinner at the same time. They want their morning coffee at the same time. But I thought about, you know, what if there were a way that you could order ahead, pay ahead, get the order prepared as you were arriving, and then have it ready and waiting for you? That would be better as a consumer experience, it would be more efficient for the restaurant operation side of things. And it would take some of those rote tasks of order taking and money handling and change making and all the manual transcription error out of the equation. And as I said, I came to New York with a personal digital assistant and I became really fixated on this one app on it called Vindigo. Of course, at the time, they didn't even call them apps. They were just mobile software. But Vindigo was about seeing points of interest on a map around you. And so you could see Zagat reviews of restaurants and you could get walking directions to get to that restaurant. And I just found it absolutely fascinating and later became friends with Jason Devitt, who is the founder of Vindigo. But that, that application and thinking about connecting it to this kind of problem that I was facing, this friction point of, it would be great if I could order ahead and pay ahead and have it ready when I got there. I had this aha moment of this device, if we're all carrying it around with us, is not just about content and it's not just about communications. It can use those things and you can use the fact that it's intrinsically very personal. It's the most personal device that we've ever had. It's linked to ourselves, to our identity that can make it into a payment device and that can make it into a commerce device by kind of putting together communications and payment together along with that content. And that was the epiphany that I had. And the idea sort of sat on my shelf. Uh, it was something I, I formalized into a business plan in late 2003, but I didn't do much with it until I moved to Johannesburg, South Africa in 2004. And it was when I was there uh, working for Endeavor and helping to scale high growth entrepreneurs in Johannesburg and in Cape Town and other markets in South Africa when I came across some mobile software developers who we would now call app developers. And I said, you know, I had this idea. It was about a year ago. Here's what it is. What do you think about this? Could you help me to build a prototype? And these two uh, great uh, developers, Craig Stockton and Nick Dempster, helped me to build a prototype. I then showed it to someone who was involved with the company I was working for then in Johannesburg. And I said, you know, what, what do you think about this? Is there something there? And it was the classic, you know, if you want advice, ask for money. And if you want money, ask for <laughs> advice kind of story where I was really just asking for advice. And I was flabbergasted when he said, uh, you know, I, I think that there's something to this. I think you have the drive to make this into something. And if you're willing to quit your job and withdraw your admission to Harvard Business School, where I was headed in the fall, I'll give you half a million dollars to get you started. Uh, that that gentleman was David Frankel, who remains a board member of Olo, our longest standing shareholder, uh, and a great mentor to me. 
But that was such a key moment for me of really testing me to say, you know, will you make this your only path forward? Will you burn the boats and make this the only thing that you have as the option for your future? Um, do you believe in it that much? And I'm forever grateful for being put to that test. I, I love that you used the burn the boats analogy. We had a guest, uh, Matt Horn. He has Horn Barbecue up in San Francisco. He's doing some incredible things for the West Coast barbecue movement. But he talks about his burn the boats moment. And this is a show for entrepreneur people that are listening to the show, restaurant owners. We all know of that burn the boats moment. Can you take us back? Because David believed in you. Can you bring us back? Who didn't believe in you? And what were the people saying? You don't need to name them, but what were they saying to you when you said, I'm literally going to withdraw my application to Harvard Business School based off of this half a million dollars? Is half a million dollars going to be enough money? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm fortunate, first off, to say that a lot of the people in my immediate circle did believe in me. My my now wife, then girlfriend, believed in me. My parents believed in me. And that conviction that they had that I was going to land on my feet, regardless of what happened, was really important. I, I trust those people so much, and they are my greatest consigliere. So to have them behind me and during the tough times over the years behind me was so important, especially because there were so many people, to your point, that did not believe, I don't know if it was in me, but didn't believe in this idea, believed that it was going to be a fad or believed that it was not something that was ever going to reach sort of mainstream popularity. Yeah, there were going to be smartphones, but most phones were going to continue to exist as feature phones, and that wouldn't be relevant to feature phones. We actually, in the earliest days, like the market didn't believe in this. The market was 5% of phone users were smartphone users. 95% of mobile phone users were feature phone users. And so the initial implementation that we brought to market in New York uh, after a trial in New Haven, Connecticut at the end of 2006, the initial model was text message ordering because we needed wow. to demonstrate how you could use a phone, any phone, not even a smartphone, a, a feature phone to trigger an order, that the phone could become a remote control for ordering and paying for the thing that you wanted. And that was this very novel use case of text messaging. And that in and of itself got us a lot of press and recognition early on. And that was a, a real gift. But it was amazing trying to retrofit the idea back to the technology that existed then and thinking forward to at some point, we will all have smartphones. I'm sure of that. I have so much conviction in that. And this will be the right space to have, have laid claim to at that moment. I mean, I think it's absolutely incredible for those that don't know that are listening to this show. We're talking about 2006 and a, a date that I always bring up is June 29th, 2007 and June 29th, 2007. You're smiling. Do you, do you know what happened on that date? Um, 2007, I believe, has something to do with with iPhone. But yes, but I'm 100%. curious about that June is 29th. It. Was that the commercial release of it? Commercial release. Commercial release. Yes, commercial release. So Noah is playing in the field, betting his life, betting his company on this idea of this smartphone. And I smile because we talk about low and slow growth. We build our media company the same way we build our barbecue. Um, you're here 17 years later. Your company just went public six, after 16 years. Uh, as entrepreneurs, we want that 
quick trajectory. We want to scale quickly. We want to be that unicorn, right? For you, what what about the the consistent, persistent pursuit of these goals um, really helped you when when times got dark? Yeah, well, I'd say, you know, we kept it very lean and mean throughout the history of the company uh, in terms of the, the scale of our team, the burn rate. I was very proud. Uh, we, we just saw a study that Meritech Capital did looking at all of the companies that IPO'd in 2021. And they looked at how much did these companies burn in terms of capital they raised in order to get to IPO and what was their revenue scale at the time of IPO. Olo's net burn was the lowest of any. It was $6 wow. million in net burn. That's all that we spent to get to $122 million of annualized recurring revenue. And so it, that we were superlative in both the lowest amount of net burn and the ratio of the ARR, the annualized recurring revenue to that burn. And I'm really proud of those things, but they're they're reflective of that approach of keeping it lean and mean and having a scrappy, hungry, determined team with a motto of embrace the suck. We're going to do all those things that others cannot do and our ability to endure and our pain tolerance and our ability to learn and be curious and find better answers that's going to be the thing that separates us out from the rest of the pack at the end of the day. Um, so that was a, a real mantra early on. And that young, hungry, scrappy team, many of whom are still within the company today, really built an amazing culture. And we talk about Olo being like a second family. That's what emerged from that. It was those bonds of the early team members who really trusted one another, who all sort of came in, I think of them as stem cells, you know, infinite possibility, no real specialization. And then everybody kind of gravitated toward a specialty. And, and from that, we forged a really differentiated company with a differentiated culture and one that really until 2013. So at that point, it was eight years into the story of Olo, we were a 12 person company. And in 2013, we knew that we'd really hit product market fit there was more demand, far more than we could possibly supply. Do, can so you can you give us go... some of the can you give us some of the brands? I'm sorry for interrupting, but yeah, I, yeah. just just for the people that are listening, I don't think they understand really what Olo is doing in the market. So all the brands that they interact with on a, on on a day to day basis. Yeah, I always say to people, name you drop, know, you name not, drop for us. Noah. You may not know Olo, <laughs> but if you've used you know Sweet Greens app to place an order and get your salad faster, or Shake Shack, or Wingstop, or Applebee's, or Chili's, or Cheesecake Factory, Noodles and Company, Five Guys Burgers and Fries, on and on and on. I mean, there are now over six hundred brands, many of whom are household names, where consumers don't know they're engaging with Olo, but. Last year in 2021, 85 million consumers placed an order through a front end that was powered by the Olo platform. So it's a lot. That's about a quarter of the population of the United States, not just the adult population, the entire population that used Olo just in the past year. And so we think that is an exciting opportunity for uh, Olo to touch so many consumers and to create a better experience for those consumers. And it's kind of what leads into our ability to unlock digital hospitality as we think about it at Olo and really create a platform across all the brands to up-level the consumer experience through the Olo platform. 
Can you define digital hospitality for us? Yeah, for us, digital hospitality is about collecting all of the dots of the digital data that you get from the guest interactions with the restaurant. That could be through digital ordering, through an online ordering platform like Olo. That could be in-restaurant transactions, could be email marketing, could be surveys, could be reviews, could be reservations and wait lists. These are all the different threads of data that are disparate today. We can now bring together and harness to create a single consumer profile and use that data ultimately to treat every guest and to make every guest feel like a regular. That is the North Star of our digital hospitality vision. How can you make every guest feel like a regular using all the data that you know about them and at the right moment, whether it's the platform or a host or a server, giving that little tidbit of information to that that platform or that person to make the guest feel like I'm known here. I'm, I'm, I feel like a regular, it might even be their first time in the restaurant or the first time they've interacted with that server. But that's really what the true north of digital hospitality is for Olo as we think about the larger ambition that we have today. I'm gonna to take a quick minute to talk about Pop Menu Answering. I got to spend time with Brendan Sweeney and Tony Smith, the co-founders of Pop Menu in Chicago during the National Restaurant Association. They were so fired up to talk about Pop Menu Answering, this new product that they have rolling out. And as a current restaurant owner myself, I know that constant phone calls can get in the way of serving guests in the restaurant but not answering your phone can mean that you are losing out on potential customers. Did you know that 42% of restaurant guests will eat somewhere else if their call is missed? That is why we recommend Pop Menu Answering. Pop Menu Answering is powered by artificial intelligence to answer simple questions most people call in with, like, do you have outdoor seating? What are your hours? Within the Pop Menu platform, you can customize answers for your restaurant and choose the voice your guest hears, like your voice, plus create customized greetings. Pop Menu Answering picks up the phone 24 7, 365, and Pop Menu helps gain insight into what potential guests are typically calling about, turning every phone call into an opportunity. Reclaim the power of your phone now with Pop Menu Answering. And for a limited time, our listeners get $100 off your first month. Plus, you can lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash influencers. Go get $100 off your first month and learn more about Pop Menu's full collection of tools at popmenu.com slash influencers. And now back to the show. I mean, I think you, you hit on so many things that we talk about, not just here on Restaurant Influencers, but also on Digital Hospitality, our other show, our, our North Star, our thesis for both shows really is understanding how as restaurant owners, can we do what we do in real life? How can we do that online? And when we do that online, we get this unlock because now all of a sudden, the hospitality that retailers don't have, that they lack, that they aspire to have really restaurant owners have it at their core. They have it in their DNA. Can you talk a little bit about, you talk about on-demand commerce versus e-commerce. Can you explain to the restaurant owners that are listening why that is so important for us to, to, to think beyond the standard P&L? Yeah, I think about e-commerce as something that is very retail-oriented, and I've kind of always resisted that term for Olo. I think about what we do for the industry that we do it for as on-demand commerce. I think about the consumers have an on-demand need. They want something to be built, personalized, customized to their liking just in time. 
I mean, that is something that is really special about this industry. It is not just a showroom putting something into a bag and handing it off to somebody. This is the factory and the showroom smashed together into one entity that we call a restaurant where the kitchen is making something oftentimes from scratch, made to order just in time, a highly perishable product, incredibly intimate. I mean, food is medicine. Food can also be poison. Food can have things in it that's really harmful for somebody. So the, the, the utmost care has to be put into this craft. And of course, it needs to be done with a perishable product that if you know you don't align it with the customer's arrival, it's not going to be any good. It's going to be cold or it's not going to be ready when they arrive. So I think about all of that as having the characteristics of the on-demand world where things need to be mapped to one another in incredible, incredibly close coordination. And that's why we think on-demand commerce is the right term for e-commerce or digital commerce applied to the hospitality industry. So for me, it's fascinating. Just last night, I we I was reviewing, we have a, a platform called Marquee that allows us to take a look at all of our reviews. And I, we got a one-star review on Memorial Day for um, a guest that was upset with the digital hospitality that we were trying to provide with our to toast order and pay solution. So he thought that it was awkward. I you know, obviously apologize for the experience that our staff is going to do a better job. We have hospitality hosts. We no longer have servers. But for us, the unlock came with understanding that with QR codes, something that back in 2008, 2009, 2010, when I was, you know, really leaning into social media, people would ask about QR codes. And I thought it was not a good idea because you had to download a separate app. Once the QR became native into the camera app, and understanding that every single person has a smartphone that's walking into our restaurant, why not remove the friction? Why not empower the guests to give them more time to order the food how they want it? And for us, yes, we had a one-star review, but that's so far beyond. I mean, even in me addressing the review was saying, we apologize, but things are changing. Like our restaurant is changing. So our restaurant back in 2008 is much different than our restaurant is now. We were built on breakfast. Now we're doing barbecue. Now we're doing slow food fast. Mm -hmm. You know, our job is to try to become the Amazon of barbecue in San Diego, which we encourage everybody to start to think differently of how do they, as restaurants, we can't discriminate how people get food. You know, you talked about the coffee example and for barbecue aficionados all over the world, what do you do? You build a great barbecue brand. And then what happens? People queue up in line with hope that they're going to come and get some brisket. But what if you had the technology to empower somebody to order brisket ahead of time? If you and I planned, hey, we're going to go to Austin in two weeks, let's go and order for your team, my team, and we're going to go out there and we're going to make sure that our brisket is ready. And we're going to pay the premium to do that. Great for the restaurant. Great for us. Why not do that? Is that the goal of, of Olo is to, to find those aha moments? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's really to use technology, not as the, the end, but as the means to unlock digital hospitality. And, and I think you said it beautifully, Sean. I mean, if you think about the QR code, it's a great example. It used to be passe. Now it's something that so many consumers, because of COVID and because of the QR code reader being built into the camera apps, you know, it's become something that is second nature. And it, it really became second nature within restaurants, not for ordering per se, but for viewing of menus without having to touch paper menus. But to go a step further and to allow that guest to place an order, 
I can imagine an even better experience where that guest and what the platform knows about that guest means that when they scan the QR code, they see a very different menu than when their neighbor yes. scans that QR code. But, that, but I'll hold that to the side. It's a better experience for the, the guest and it's also a better experience for the operator. And so many operators right now are embracing this because they too are struggling with labor. And it's not about, you know, you don't need the labor anymore. You do need that labor. You need the labor, but you need to shift the labor from a labor mindset to a hospitality mindset from doing these things that are the, the rote tasks of taking the order and punching it into the point of sale or taking somebody's card and ringing the card or making change for them or managing tablets or answering phone calls. If that same labor is now focused on the human element of how do I hand over this food and smile and talk about my experience with this food the first time I tried it or here's this thing that you ordered. And there's one other thing that I just want to bring you because I think you would really enjoy it. It's a sample. There's no charge for it. But in the back of their minds, they know there's a very high correlation that based on this person's profile and what they ordered, they're going to love this dessert that's on our menu. It would cost so little to bring that over to them, but it would make an outsized impact on their overall experience. And they're going to crave some new product and they're going to come back next time and order that and pay full price for it. Those are the high hospitality moments within any restaurant. And I love what you said. I mean, taking that to scale, that is the challenge. When I first met one of my heroes, Danny Meyer, uh, in 2014, and he was just stepping off of the open table board and looking for his next restaurant technology investment, he got really excited about Olo and he wound up investing and joining our board and has been a great board member and investor for the past eight years. But I'll always remember that what he said was, I think the larger opportunity for Olo beyond just the laying the tracks for on-demand commerce is to unlock hospitality at fast food speed and scale. Yeah. I think you have the opportunity to do that because of all the data that you see and how you can then help servers and hosts and everyone working in the restaurant to use that data to better serve the guest. When you meet someone like Danny, and we all know Danny Meyer setting the table, it's the it's the book that every it's the most important book that any anyone in the hospitality business reads. And I would argue in any business, it's that important. Um, when you meet someone like that, who is a hero that becomes a colleague, an investor, a board member, what is that? What is that like? I mean, what is a, what What is that like? Yeah, I mean, I, I had been a fan of Danny's since when setting the table first came out since moving to New York and vis visiting his restaurants. But I mean, when I got a chance to meet him, my expectations were so high and I was convinced that I was gonna be disappointed. And there's, I think a famous quote that I, I was just uh, commenting on on Twitter the other day about you know, meeting your idols and that you're always gonna be disappointed, but it's gonna show you that they too are human. And I said, I used to think that that was true, but then I met Danny and after having him on my board as an investor, as a, a mentor for eight years, serving not on the not just on the Olo board, but also on the Share Our Strength No Kid Hungry board with him, having him pull me into that opportunity, I have never been disappointed. The reality has been exactly what I had hoped and, and then some, just knowing what a good human being he is, 
how creative he is, not just in the restaurant space or in the restaurant technology space or in philanthropy, but just as a as a thinker. I mean, he is such a a wise person and such a creative person at the same time. So it has been a gift. I, you know, every time that I speak with Danny, I have calls with each of my board directors before each board meeting. And I'm always at the top of my game when I'm talking to Danny, because it's like I, I'm I'm playing with the best of the best here. I've got to, I've really got to like up my, my, uh, my level. Well, I love that. I mean, it, it, it is a rising tide lifts all ships. And when you find incredible leaders like that, there's never been an easier time because of all this access that we have. The internet has given us access. You're very active on LinkedIn. You're active on Twitter. I want to bring you back to March 17th, 2021. Uh, you sent out a tweet. It's day 5,769. It's day one at Olo at New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, that was an incredible moment. Um, it was the the day of our IPO, St. Patrick's Day of 2021, um, and yeah, it it felt to me like you know it was 5,700 plus days into the journey, 16 plus years into the journey. But one of the things that we really cherish at Olo is having a day one mindset, and that is completely stolen from. Uh, a Jeff Bezos, Amazon.com thing. And I, I know you're a fan of, of Amazon, so you're not a <laughs> huge Amazon fan. But the <laughs> My wife that, is you know, too. <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, uh, there's also uh, the, the Biggie Smalls quote of uh, you, uh, treat every day like, like you're an intern. It's your yep. first project. I mean, yep. it, that, that's it. It's like, if you can keep that curiosity and that wonder and that scrappy work ethic of it's day one, I've got to prove myself, we've got to prove ourselves all over again, um, good things happen. And that that's really how we've always thought about every day at Olo. Um, there's so much opportunity. When I talk to investors and, and do so on earnings calls, I talk about, yeah, we're at this revenue scale today, but we have a hundred X revenue opportunity ahead of us. And we are firing on all, on all cylinders to get there. And, you know, Look, I think that 100x opportunity is just where it begins. It's not where it ends. Um, but I've never felt more excited about where the future is for Olo. And I've never felt also more confident in our ability to execute the team that we've pulled together, the capabilities that we've pulled together in the different acquisitions that we've made, our customers, our partners, our guests who order through us. I feel like we have all the puzzle pieces at our fingertips and we're we're putting them together and you know doing good things for ourselves but more importantly doing good things for the industry that we love and helping the restaurant industry to not just survive existential moments like covid but really thrive on the other side stronger than they were before and um that's an exciting thing that that gives us meaning and purpose and it, it's uh something i reflect on every time i meet a new olo employee that you know there are many fast-growing companies you can work for. That's exciting. There are many organizations you can work for that do good things and make a positive difference in the world. It's really rare to find those two things in the same day of work, but that's part of what we get to do at Olo and something I'm really grateful for. 
So um, my grandfather, he taught me a very valuable lesson to stay curious, to get involved, to ask for help. And one of the things that we do on this show is every Wednesday and Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we do a clubhouse call. It's a place where people that listen to the show, they can come on stage, they can share their story to hospitality professionals, restaurant professionals, people that are interested in smartphone storytelling. One of the people that does show up, um, I'm going to give him a shout out, and that's Carl Orsborn. Carl Orsborn and Meredith Sandland, they wrote Delivering the Digital Restaurant. Um, it is one of the books that I highly encourage people that are listening to the show. We'll put a link in, in there for their book, but it's, uh, it's a book that has incredible thought leaders. They dedicated four pages in this book to Noah Glass and Olo. So my question to you, with setting the table, delivering the digital restaurant, when is Noah Glass going to write his thesis? When is he going to share his gift with the world on digital hospitality? Well, I think I'm doing it in little drips and drabs of, of uh, you know, being on podcasts and sharing anecdotes along the way. Um, incredibly busy, obviously, in the day job and driving that growth and writing the next chapter of the Olo story. And I think um, at some point I would love to sit back and reflect on everything that's happened and review the archives, so to speak. But um, there's just too much action in the in the today and the tomorrow to uh, to focus too much on the yesterday right now. Do you have any daily habits that either professionally or personally that um, that you've implemented recently that's made an impact on what you're trying to accomplish? I have a lot of daily habits, uh, perhaps too many. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little uh, uh, nuts in that way. But, you know, one thing that I've done really as a COVID habit that has stuck and has helped me a lot is that I, I meditate every day. And it's not a long time. I spend about five minutes every day meditating, breathing, sitting in a comfortable position. And it really clears my head. I strive for equanimity, which is a, a great term. It means when things are good, I'm okay. When things are bad, I'm okay. You're just sort of an even keel. Imagine, you know, still water. That is sort of the, the right mood to be in at all times. And I find that, you know, that meditation, which is something that, you know, years ago I may have scoffed at and said, like, oh, that's not for me. It feels a little bit hippy-dippy for me, but it really is valuable for me and grounds me and prepares me for each day and gets me focused on making that transition from my family into my work life for the, the hours ahead. And then I love at the end of the day, kind of making that transition back to family life and being able to be with my wife and my son and cook dinner and eat dinner together and talk about our day. And that's a wonderful tradition that um, I have celebrated with, with my family, a habit uh, of our family. And it was a habit of my family growing up. My mom is actually a cookbook author and wrote a book in the early 90s called Rescuing the Dinner Hour. And the whole premise of the book was around recipes that you could make that were healthy recipes that were easy enough to make that you could make them and then all sit around as a family and eat together and talk about your day. And what, a, what an important tradition that was for how kids would learn to have converse as adults and talk about their feelings and their experiences. And I find that's one of the, the most beautiful parts of every day is being able to sit and eat, especially if I've prepared something. I, nothing feels better for me than preparing a meal with my now five-year-old son and then eating it together as a family and getting the, the nods and the smiles of, oh, this actually tastes pretty good. So 
I love I love that. Is your mom's book available? Is that it is. still available? We'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, it's available okay. on Amazon. Amazon.com. Rescuing the Dinner Hour. It started yeah. out as a a column in the town newspaper where I grew up in Newton, Massachusetts. And okay, uh, somebody said, You've, "This is so great. You've got to turn this into a book." And and she did. It was her second of two cookbooks. Very cool. We'll put a link in the show notes. So uh, I'm I'm happy you mentioned your son. I have a, a five year. He's about to turn five, and my daughter's about to turn three. And one of the things that I, I joke about, but I'm dead serious about is, is voice, understanding that the on-demand generation, my, my kids, they tell Alexa what songs they want Alexa to sing. And when dad's driving in the car, they go, dad, play the song, same songs. And, right. you know, we don't have Alexa in the car yet, but, you know, we're getting to that point. I want to get to the point as a barbecue restaurant owner where someone says, buy brisket. I want brisket. I want that brisket to come to someone's house. What is Olo doing on the big scale? The next, what's the next big thing? Is voice next or is something else that we're missing? Yeah, I think voice is really interesting. It's something that we've been doing actually for a number of years. Um, initially with Wingstop, they built a really cool voice ordering app, um, an Alexa skill built on top of the Olo API. Um, even before artificial intelligence or machine learning, um, you know, there was voice in the form of call centers. And so, you know, there are call center applications. We have one called Switchboard built on top of the Olo API. And that's based on the fact that, you know, a lot of consumers do just want to call in and talk to somebody or just talk and speak their order. And to have the digital ordering platform able to capture that order too and link that back to the customer's profile and maybe lead to a better recommendation or a card on file or preferences already in that customer's account. I think that's part of extending the reach almost like text message ordering was in 2006 back to older technology and pulling that into digital. I think it's a great on-ramp for that consumer that likes to use voice and do so through a call center to teach them how to next time do it through a digital ordering experience or maybe migrating over time, as you said, that human-powered voice experience to an AI-powered voice experience. That's super exciting. I can't wait to see uh, what Olo does in the next 17 years. Congratulations on the 17-year anniversary. It's, uh, it's beyond impressive and the fact that you have such a small market share of so many restaurants globally that need what you're doing to, to literally build better businesses. I mean, that's the thing that's exciting for me is that this is just the beginning, um, starting with restaurants. But like I said, the restaurants, understanding hospitality is what all retailers need. All retailers, no matter where you are in the world, my wife is from Bulgaria and the village, you know, I talk about the same things that I talk to restaurant owners here in Southern California about this stuff is important, no matter where you go in the globe and technology companies and people like you with incredible teams are, are, are literally helping us move forward, giving the experience so that it's not a forced experience anymore. It's on someone else's terms. Well, Sean, thank you so much for that. I mean, it's an honor to be the engine of hospitality, not just for the hospitality industry, but imagining how that can go from restaurants where this is a core skill set into other industries. We were excited to announce, you know, one of our first C store brands working with Quick Trip uh, on our awesome. last earning call, earnings call. Um, it's amazing to see some of those kind of uh, skills that that come so naturally in this industry take flight and, and go everywhere and all for the 
better consumer experience that it leads to when you can treat every guest like a regular. Well, your 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 leadership in digital hospitality, it's it's something of note to have the the master on our our show. Truly, truly appreciate it. Um, this is just the beginning of something. It's, it's day one, right? It's just day one. So <laughs> imagine what day after day, those compounding interests, what you guys are going to be able to build. Um, if you guys want to reach out to me, it's at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. That's Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, we will put links in the show notes, how you can get in touch with Olo. If you have any enterprise restaurant friends that want to sign up that, that do not have Olo, please. I'm sure, uh, Noah's team can take good care of them. And, uh, Noah, thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. I know how busy you are. We look forward to your book one day too. Sean, thank you so much for having me. And a special thank you to our title sponsor, Toast. Toast is the primary technology partner that we use at our restaurant, Cali Barbecue. It is also the primary technology partner that so many of the guests have shared with us on this show. People like Sam, the cooking guy, Stacy Poonkinney, Jeff Alexander. So many times the guests tell us that they're using Toast when we didn't even know that going into the interview. That is why we are so grateful that they sponsor this show. We want you to win. You that listen to this show, we want you to improve your digital hospitality. Toast is built for restaurants and it's built for you. Toast is the restaurant first platform that's built for your needs, whatever your size, concept, or ambitions. Improve your bottom line with a customizable platform that's easy to learn, use, and grow with. And it meets you where you are with all the right tools for your price point. If you have any questions about Toast, please DM me at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. I will get you the link to the right Toast contact in your market. It's so important that if you listen to this show that you win. We want you to be on this show eventually. Let us know that you heard the show, you heard about Toast, you implemented Toast, you did a Toast unboxing in your restaurant. Talk to us about how you've impacted your village, your city, your community. Share your Toast story with us. DM me today to learn more and be sure to check out Toast.